0: Chapter twenty four of Ivanhoe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ivanhoe by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter twenty four. I'll woo her as the lion woos his bride. Douglas. While the scenes we have described were passing in other parts of the castle, the Jewess Rebecca awaited her fate in a distant and sequestered turret. Hither she had been led by two of her disguised ravishers, and on being thrust into the little cell she found herself in the presence of an old sibyl, who kept murmuring to herself a Saxon rhyme, as if to beat time to the revolving dance which her spindle was performing upon the floor. The hag raised her head as Rebecca entered, and scowled at the fair Jewess with a malignant envy with which old age and ugliness, when united with evil conditions, are apt to look upon youth and beauty. "'Thou must up and away, old house-cricket,' said one of the men. "'Our noble master commands it. Thou must e'en leave this chamber to a fairer guest.' "'Aye,' grumbled the hag, "'even thus is service requited.' i have known when my bare word would have cast the best man at arms among ye out of saddle and out of service and now i must up and away at the command of every groom such as thou good dame Erfrid, said the other man stand not to reason on it but up and away lord's hests must be listened to with a quick ear thou hast had thy day old dame but thy sun has long been set Thou art now the very emblem of an old war-horse turned out on the barren heath. Thou hast had thy paces in thy time, but now a broken amble is the best of them. Come, amble off with thee. Ill omens dog ye both, said the old woman, and a kennel be your burying-place. May the evil demon Zernibok tear me limb from limb, if I leave my own cell, ere I have spun out the hemp of my distaff answer it to our lord then old house fiend said the man and retired leaving rebecca in company with the old woman upon whose presence she had been thus unwillingly forced what devil's deed have they now in the wind said the old hag murmuring to herself yet from time to time casting a sidelong and malignant glance at rebecca but it is easy to guess bright eyes black locks and a skin like paper ere the priest stains it with his black unguent ay it is easy to guess why they send her to this lone turret whence a shriek could no more be heard than at the depth of five hundred fathoms beneath the earth thou wilt have owls for thy neighbours fair one and their screams will be heard as far and as much regarded as thine own outlandish too she said marking the dress and turban of rebecca what country art thou of a saracen or an egyptian why dost not answer thou canst weep canst thou not speak be not angry good mother said rebecca thou needst say no more replied Erfrid. men know a fox by the train and a jewess by her tongue for the sake of mercy said rebecca tell me what i am to expect as the conclusion of the violence which hath dragged me hither is it my life they seek to atone for my religion i will lay it down cheerfully thy life minion answered the sibyl what would taking thy life pleasure them trust me thy life is in no peril such usage shalt thou have as was once thought good enough for a noble saxon maiden and shall a jewess like thee repine because she hath no better look at me i was as young and twice as fair as thou when frondebeuf father of this reginald and his normans stormed this castle my father and his seven sons defended their inheritance from story to story from chamber to chamber there was not a room not a step of the stair that was not slippery with their blood they died they died every man, and ere their bodies were cold, and ere their blood was dried, I had become the prey and the scorn of the conqueror. "'Is there no help? Are there no means of escape?' said Rebecca. "'Richly, richly I would requite thine aid.' "'Think not of it,' said the hag. "'From hence there is no escape but through the gates of death, and it is late. "'Late!' she added, shaking her grey head. "'Ere these open to us. "'Yet it is comfort to think "'that we leave behind us on earth "'those who shall be wretched as ourselves. "'Fare thee well, Jewess. "'Jew or Gentile, thy fate would be the same, "'for thou hast to do with them "'that have neither scruple nor pity. "'Fare thee well, I say. "'My thread is spun out. "'Thy task is yet to begin.' "'Stay, stay for heaven's sake,' said Rebecca. Stay, though it be to curse and to revile me. Thy presence is yet some protection. The presence of the mother of God were no protection, answered the old woman. There she stands, pointing to a rude image of the Virgin Mary. See if she can avert the fate that awaits thee. She left the room as she spoke, her features writhed into a sort of sneering laugh, which made them seem even more hideous than the habitual frown. She locked the door behind her, and Rebecca might hear her curse every step for its deepness, as slowly and with difficulty she descended the turret stair. Rebecca was now to expect a fate even more dreadful than that of Rowena, for what probability was there that either softness or ceremony would be used towards one of her oppressed race, whatever shadow of these might be preserved towards a Saxon heiress? Yet had the Jewess this advantage, that she was better prepared by habits of thought and by natural strength of mind, to encounter the dangers to which she was exposed. Of a strong and observing character, even from her earliest years, the pomp and wealth which her father displayed within his walls, or which she witnessed in the houses of other wealthy Hebrews, had not been able to blind her to the precarious circumstances under which they were enjoyed. Like Damocles at his celebrated banquet, Rebecca perpetually beheld, amid that gorgeous display, the sword which was suspended over the heads of her people by a single hair. These reflections had tamed and brought down to a pitch of sounder judgment a temper which, under other circumstances, might have waxed haughty, supercilious, and obstinate. From her father's example and injunctions, Rebecca had learned to bear herself courteously towards all who approached her. She could not indeed imitate his excess of subservience, because she was a stranger to the meanness of mind and to the constant state of timid apprehension by which it was dictated. But she bore herself with a proud humility, as if submitting to the evil circumstances in which she was placed as the daughter of a despised race, while she felt in her mind the consciousness... That she was entitled to hold a higher rank from her merit than the arbitrary despotism of religious prejudice permitted her to aspire to. Thus prepared to expect adverse circumstances, she had acquired the firmness necessary for acting under them. Her present situation required all her presence of mind, and she summoned it up accordingly. Her first care was to inspect the apartment, but it afforded few hopes either of escape or protection. It contained neither secret passage nor trap-door, and unless where the door by which she had entered joined the main building seemed to be circumscribed by the round exterior wall of the turret. The door had no inside bolt or bar. The single window opened upon an embattled space surmounting the turret, which gave Rebecca, at first sight, some hopes of escaping but she soon found it had no communication with any other part of the battlements, being an isolated partisan, or balcony, secured as usual by a parapet, with embrasures at which a few archers might be stationed for defending the turret, and flanking with their shot the wall of the castle on that side. There was therefore no hope but in passive fortitude, and in that strong reliance on heaven natural to great and generous characters. Rebecca, however erroneously taught to interpret the promises of Scripture to the chosen people of heaven, did not err in supposing the present to be their hour of trial, and in trusting that the children of Zion would be one day called in with the fullness of the Gentiles. In the meanwhile all around her showed that their present state was that of punishment and probation, and that it was their especial duty to suffer without sinning. Thus prepared to consider herself as the victim of misfortune, Rebecca had early reflected upon her own state, and schooled her mind to meet the dangers which she had probably to encounter. The prisoner trembled, however, and changed colour, when a step was heard on the stair, and the door of the turret-chamber slowly opened, and a tall man, dressed as one of those banditti to whom they owed their misfortune, slowly entered— and shut the door behind him. His cap, pulled down upon his brows, concealed the upper part of his face, and he held his mantle in such a manner as to muffle the rest. In this guise, as if prepared for the execution of some deed, at the thought of which he was himself ashamed, he stood before the affrighted prisoner. Yet, roughened as his dress bespoke him, he seemed at a loss to express what purpose had brought him thither so that Rebecca, making an effort upon herself, had time to anticipate his explanation. She had already unclasped two costly bracelets and a collar, which she hastened to proffer to the supposed outlaw, concluding naturally that to gratify his avarice was to bespeak his favour. "'Take these,' she said, good friend, and for God's sake be merciful to me and my aged father. "'These ornaments are of value.' yet are they trifling to what we would bestow to obtain our dismissal from this castle free and uninjured. Fair flower of Palestine, replied the outlaw, these pearls are orient, but they yield in whiteness to your teeth. The diamonds are brilliant, but they cannot match your eyes, and ever since I have taken up this wild trade, I have made a vow to prefer beauty to wealth. Do not yourself such wrong." said rebecca take ransom and have mercy gold will purchase you pleasure to misuse us could only bring thee remorse my father will willingly satiate thy utmost wishes and if thou wilt act wisely thou mayst purchase with our spoils thy restoration to civil society mayst obtain pardon for past errors and be placed beyond the necessity of committing more it is well spoken replied the outlaw in french finding it difficult probably to sustain in saxon a conversation which rebecca had opened in that language but know bright lily of the vale of Baker, that thy father is already in the hands of a powerful alchemist who knows how to convert into gold and silver even the rusty bars of a dungeon grate, the venerable isaac is subjected to an alembic which will distill from him all he holds dear without any assistance from my requests or thy entreaty THY RANSOM MUST BE PAID BY LOVE AND BEAUTY, AND IN NO OTHER COIN WILL I ACCEPT IT. THOU ART NO OUTLAW, SAID REBECCA, IN THE SAME LANGUAGE IN WHICH HE ADDRESSED HER. NO OUTLAW HAD REFUSED SUCH OFFERS. NO OUTLAW IN THIS LAND USED THE DIALECT IN WHICH THOU HAST SPOKEN. THOU ART NO OUTLAW, BUT A NORMAN, A NORMAN, NOBLE PERHAPS IN BIRTH. Oh, be so in thy actions, and cast off this fearful mask of outrage and violence. And thou, who canst guess so truly, said Brian de bois dropping the mantle from his face, art no true daughter of Israel, but in all save youth and beauty a very witch of Ender. I am not an outlaw, then, fair Rose of Sharon, and I am one who will be more prompt to hang thy neck and arms with pearls and diamonds, which so well become them, than to deprive thee of these ornaments. "'What wouldst thou have of me?' said Rebecca, "'If not my wealth?' "'We can have naught in common between us. "'You are a Christian. "'I am a Jewess. "'Our union were contrary to the laws alike "'of the Church and the Synagogue.' "'It were so indeed,' replied the Templar, laughing. "'Wed with a Jewess. "'Dépardieu! "'Not if she were the Queen of Sheba.' And no, besides, sweet daughter of Zion, that were the most Christian king to offer me his most Christian daughter, with long a dog for a dowry, I could not wed her. It is against my vow to love any maiden, otherwise than par amour, as I will love thee. I am a Templar. Behold the cross of my holy order. "'Darest thou appeal to it?' said Rebecca, on an occasion like the present." and if i do so said the templar it concerns not thee who art no believer in the blessed sign of our salvation i believe as my fathers taught said rebecca and may god forgive my belief if erroneous but you sir knight what is yours when you appeal without scruple to that which you deem most holy even while you are about to transgress the most solemn of your vows as a knight and as a man of religion it is gravely and well preached, O daughter of Cyrac, answered the Templar. But, gentle Ecclesiastica, thy narrow Jewish prejudices make thee blind to our high privilege. Marriage were an enduring crime on the part of a Templar, but what lesser folly I may practice, I shall speedily be absolved from at the next preceptory of our order. Not the wisest of monarchs, not his father, whose examples you must needs allow are weighty, Claimed wider privileges than we poor soldiers of the temple of Zion have won by our zeal in its defense. The protectors of Solomon's temple may claim license by the example of Solomon. If thou readest the scripture, said the Jewess, and the lives of the saints, only to justice thine own license and profligacy, thy crime is like that of him who extracts poison from the most healthful and necessary herbs. The eyes of the Templar flashed fire at this reproof. "'Harken,' he said, "'Rebecca, I have hitherto spoken mildly to thee, "'but now my language shall be that of a conqueror. "'Thou art the captive of my bow and spear, "'subject to my will by the laws of all nations, "'nor will I abate an inch of my right, "'or abstain from taking by violence "'what thou refusest to entreaty or necessity.' "'Stand back,' said Rebecca, "'stand back, and hear me, Ere thou offerst to commit a sin so deadly, my strength thou mayst indeed overpower, for God made women weak and trusted their defence to man's generosity. But I will proclaim thy villainy, Templar, from one end of Europe to the other. I will owe to the superstition of thy brethren what their compassion might refuse me. Each preceptory, each chapter of thy order, shall learn that, like a heretic, thou hast sinned with a Jewess. Those who tremble not at thy crime will hold thee accursed for having so far dishonoured the cross thou wearest as to follow a daughter of my people. Thou art keen-witted, Jewess, replied the Templar, well aware of the truth of what she spoke, and that the rules of his order condemned in the most positive manner and under high penalties such intrigues as he now prosecuted, and that in some instances even degradation had followed upon it thou art sharp-witted he said but loud must be thy voice of complaint if it is heard beyond the iron walls of this castle within these murmurs laments appeals to justice and screams for help die alike silent away one thing only can save thee rebecca submit to thy fate embrace our religion and thou shalt go forth in such state that many a norman lady shall yield as well in pomp as in beauty to the favorite of the best lands among the defenders of the temple submit to my fate said rebecca and sacred heaven to what fate embrace thy religion and what religion can it be that harbors such a villain thou the best lance of the templars craven knight forsworn priest i spit at thee and i defy thee the god of abraham's promise hath opened an escape to his daughter even from this abyss of infamy as she spoke she threw open the latticed window which led to the bartizan and an instant after she stood on the very verge of the parapet with not the slightest screen between her and the tremendous depth below unprepared for such a desperate effort for she had hitherto stood perfectly motionless, bois had neither time to intercept nor to stop her. As he offered to advance, she exclaimed, Remain where thou art, proud Templar, or at thy choice advance. One foot nearer, and I plunge myself from the precipice. My body shall be crushed out of the very form of humanity upon the stones of that courtyard, ere it become the victim of thy brutality. As she spoke this, she clasped her hands and extended them towards heaven, as if imploring mercy on her soul before she made the final plunge. The Templar hesitated, and a resolution which had never yielded to pity or distress gave way to his admiration of her fortitude. "'Come down,' he said, rash girl. "'I swear by earth and sea and sky. I will offer thee no offence. "'I will not trust thee, Templar,' said Rebecca.' Thou hast taught me better how to estimate the virtues of thine order. The next preceptory would grant thee absolution, for an oath the keeping of which concerned naught but the honor or the dishonor of a miserable Jewish maiden. "'You do me injustice,' exclaimed the Templar fervently. "'I swear to you by the name which I bear, by the cross on my bosom, by the sword on my side, by the ancient crest of my fathers do I swear, I will do thee no injury whatsoever.' If not for thyself, yet for thy father's sake, forbear, I will be his friend, and in this castle he will need a powerful one. Alas! said Rebecca, I know it but too well. Dare I trust thee? May my arms be reversed and my name dishonoured, said Brian de bois if thou shalt have reason to complain of me. Many a law, many a commandment, have I broken, but my word never i will then trust thee said rebecca thus far and she descended from the verge of the battlement but remained standing close by one of the embrasures or mashikol as they were then called here she said i take my stand remain where thou art and if thou shalt attempt to diminish by one step the distance now between us thou shalt see that the jewish maiden will rather trust her soul with god her honour to the Templar. While Rebecca spoke thus, her high and firm resolve, which corresponded so well with the expressive beauty of her countenance, gave to her looks, air and manner a dignity that seemed more than mortal. Her glance quailed not, her cheek blanched not, for the fear of a fate so instant and so horrible. On the contrary, the thought that she had her fate at her command and could escape at will from infamy to death, gave a yet deeper color of carnation to her complexion, and a yet more brilliant fire to her eye. Bois-Gilbert, proud himself and high-spirited, thought he had never beheld beauty so animated and so commanding. "'Let there be peace between us, Rebecca,' he said. "'Peace, if thou wilt,' answered Rebecca. "'Peace!' But with this pace between Thou needst no longer fear me, said bois I fear thee not, replied she, thanks to him that reared this dizzy tower so high that naught could fall from it and live. Thanks to him and to the god of Israel I fear thee not. Thou dost me injustice, said the Templar. By earth, sea and sky thou dost me injustice. I am not naturally that which you have seen me, hard, selfish, and relentless. It was woman that taught me cruelty, and on woman therefore I have exercised it, but not upon such as thou. Hear me, Rebecca. Never did Knight take Lance in his hand with a heart more devoted to the lady of his love than Brian de Bois-Gilbert she the daughter of a petty baron who boasted for all his domains but a ruinous tower and an unproductive vineyard and some few leagues of the barren lands of bordeaux her name was known wherever deeds of arms were done known wider than that of many a lady's that had a county for a dowry yes he continued pacing up and down the little platform with an animation in which he seemed to lose all consciousness of rebecca's presence Yes. My deeds, my danger, my blood made the name of Adelaide de Montemar, known from the court of Castile to that of Byzantium. And how was I required? When I returned with my dear-bought honours, purchased by toil and blood, I found her wedded to a Gascon squire, whose name was never heard beyond the limits of his own paltry domain. Truly did I love her, and bitterly did I revenge me of her broken faith." but my vengeance has recoiled on myself. Since that day I have separated myself from life and its ties. My manhood must know no domestic home, must be soothed by no affectionate wife. My age must know no kindly hearth. My grave must be solitary, and no offspring must outlive me to bear the ancient name of bois At the feet of my superior have I laid down the right of self-action, The privilege of independence. The Templar, a serf in all but the name, can possess neither lands nor goods, and lives, moves, and breathes, but at the will and pleasure of another. Alas! said Rebecca, what advantages could compensate for such an absolute sacrifice? The power of vengeance, Rebecca, replied the Templar, and the prospects of ambition. An evil recompense, said Rebecca, for the surrender of the rights which are dearest to humanity. Say not so, maiden, answered the Templar. Revenge is a feast for the gods, and if they have reserved it, as priests tell us, to themselves, it is because they hold it an enjoyment too precious for the possession of mere mortals. And ambition? It is a temptation which could disturb even the bliss of heaven itself." HE PAUSED A MOMENT, AND THEN ADDED, REBECCA, SHE WHO COULD PREFER DEATH TO DISHONOUR MUST HAVE A PROUD AND A POWERFUL SOUL. MINE THOU MUST BE. NAY, START NOT, HE ADDED. IT MUST BE WITH THINE OWN CONSENT, AND ON THINE OWN TERMS. THOU MUST CONSENT TO SHARE WITH ME HOPES MORE EXTENDED THAN CAN BE VIEWED FROM THE THRONE OF A MONARCH. HEAR ME ERE YOU ANSWER, AND JUDGE ERE YOU REFUSE. The Templar loses, as thou hast said, his social rights, his power of free agency, but he becomes a member and a limb of a mighty body, before which thrones already tremble, even as the single drop of rain, which mixes with the sea, becomes an individual part of that resistless ocean, which undermines rocks and engulfs royal armadas. Such a swelling flood is that powerful league. Of this mighty order I am no mean member but already one of the chief commanders, and may well aspire one day to hold the baton of grand master. The poor soldiers of the temple will not alone place their foot upon the necks of kings. A hemp sandaled monk can do that. Our mailed step shall ascend their throne, our gauntlet shall wrench the sceptre from their gripe. Not the reign of your vainly expected messiah, offers such power to your dispersed tribes as my ambition may aim at. I have sought but a kindred spirit to share it, and I have found one such in thee. Sayest thou this to one of my people? answered Rebecca. Bethink thee. Answer me not, said the Templar, by urging the difference of our creeds. Within our secret conclaves we hold these nursery tales in derision. Think not we long remained blind to the idiotical folly of our founders, who forswore every delight of life for the pleasure of dying martyrs by hunger, by thirst, and by pestilence, and by the sores of savages, while they vainly strove to defend a barren desert, valuable only in the eyes of superstition. Our order soon adopted bolder and wider views, and found out a better indemnification for our sacrifices." our immense possessions in every kingdom of Europe, our high military fame, which brings within our circle the flower of chivalry from every Christian clime, these are dedicated to ends of which our pious founders little dreamed, and which are equally concealed from such weak spirits as embrace our order on the ancient principles, and whose superstition makes them our passive tools. But I will not further withdraw the veil of our mysteries, That bugle's sound announces something which may require my presence. Think on what I have said. Farewell. I do not say forgive me the violence. I have threatened, for it was necessary to the display of thy character. Gold can only be known by the application of the touchstone. I will soon return and hold further conference with thee. He re-entered the turret chamber and descended the stair leaving Rebecca scarcely more terrified at the prospect of the death to which she had been so lately exposed than at the furious ambition of the bold bad man in whose power she found herself so unhappily placed. When she entered the turret-chamber, her first duty was to return thanks to the God of Jacob for the protection which he had afforded her, and to implore its continuance for her and for her father. Another name glided into her petition. It was that of the wounded Christian, whom fate had placed in the hands of bloodthirsty men, his avowed enemies. Her heart indeed checked her, as if, even in communing with a deity in prayer, she mingled in her devotions the recollection of one with whose fate hers could have no alliance, a Nazarene and an enemy to her faith. But the petition was already breathed, nor could all the narrow prejudices of her sect induce rebecca to wish it recalled end of chapter 24